Thank you both very much. <clears throat> and uh, I want to begin by saying thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I did ask everyone to, to make an effort to be here because we're going to spend some time now thinking about one of our priorities as a church for the years ahead. If you were here for my sermon on the 14th of January, you'll know we've got a, a new sort of church catchphrase. Uh, you see at the bottom left there, sowing, growing, keeping going. Those are our three big priorities. Uh, and when I introduced that catchphrase, uh, I showed us all a diagram. Let's get that up on the screen. Do you remember this? It's a diagram of God's plan. God's plan is to rescue people out of the dominion of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. See, living in the kingdom of darkness leads to death and hell. Living in Jesus' kingdom leads to eternal life, life in the presence of God. And how does a person move along that diagram from left to right, from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus? by hearing and believing the gospel. That's the next slide. They need to hear the news about him. The good news that Jesus has died for our sins on the cross and been raised from the dead to put us right with God. For people to be saved, they need to hear God's message about Jesus. So we need to get the message out there. And that's what I've called sowing. We need to be sowing the good news. Like when a, a farmer sows seed all over his fields, uh, we need to make sure the good news is spread all over the place so that people can find out about Jesus and believe in him. Or like when a gardener uh, plants a seed in a pot, we need to sow the seed of that message about Jesus into each person's heart. And to help us think more deeply about sowing and, and what it will mean for us, we're going to look uh, a bit more at that reading we've just had from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, so please do have it uh, open in front of you uh, so that you can see God's word for yourself. Uh, if you've uh, lost the page, it's page 1186. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, page 1186. Uh, and what we've got here is a letter from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, you can see that at the top, uh, to the church in Thessalonica, Greek city uh, on the beautiful Aegean coastline uh, uh, in Greece. Uh, and at this point in time, right, the church in Thessalonica, this, this little group of followers of Jesus, was a pretty new church. Not long ago, there'd been no Christians in Thessalonica at all, but then Paul came to sow the message about Jesus. He came to preach the cross of Christ, and everything changed. And in verse 4, he recalls what happened. He says to them, We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Paul remembers how he told them about Jesus. And in one sense, all he did was speak a bunch of words. But the words of the good news about Jesus aren't just any words. They are words that come with power. 
They are the words the Holy Spirit uses to bring people out of darkness into Jesus' kingdom. And that's what happened. As Paul preached Jesus, some of those Thessalonians turned their back on their old life and put their faith in Jesus. And it became big news among the other churches. Have a look at verse 9 with me. Paul says that as he travels round and meets with other Christians, they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They're coming up to Paul and telling him how awesome it was what happened in Thessalonica. They tell how you turned to God from idols to uh, how you turned yes to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So, like every place in the Greek world, Thessalonica was filled with idols. We still know their names: gods like Zeus, Dionysus, Aphrodite. Uh, they worship them. But when Paul preached the powerful message about Jesus, the Holy Spirit began toppling those idols and turning people instead to serve and worship the real God. And as a result, they were rescued from the coming wrath, the wrath of God's judgment, and began waiting instead for Jesus to return for them from heaven. Do you see the power of the gospel? There was no church. Then Paul came to Thessalonica, sowing the mighty message about Jesus, and a new church began. And it was a church that was growing, and a church that was keeping going. Back in verse three, Paul says they're all filled with faith and hope and love. He says their faith and love lead to obedience and service. There's the growing, and their hope led to endurance. In the face of stiff opposition and persecution, there's the keeping going. But as well as growing and keeping going, they also became a church that was sowing. Have a look with me at verse eight. Paul says to them, "The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere." So first, Paul brought the message about Jesus to them. Now it's ringing out from them to their families and friends, to their neighbours and work colleagues, and out beyond the walls of their city into the towns and villages around Thessalonica. It's a bit like the、uh, the weeds in my garden. First, I, I find them growing in the vegetable patch, and then the seeds develop and the wind blows, and all of a sudden there's weeds in my plant pots, and weeds growing in the flower beds, and weeds growing in my gutters. And the more the seeds grow, and the more the wind blows, the more weeds sprout up all over the place. Till one weed has become hundreds. The same way, you see, Paul came to sow the gospel in Thessalonica, and then the believers in Thessalonica took that gospel out into the community around them, and from there it spread again and again, so that more and more people were hearing about Jesus. And that's our task too. And as that gospel goes out, what happens? Well, first, God gets the worship that He deserves. God deserves worship. He's the King of Glory who made the world. And when people worship God, their lives are filled with love and peace and joy and self-control. 
But we live in a world of idols. Instead of serving God, people are slaving to achieve their dreams of, of wealth or comfort or leisure or success, maybe the perfect wedding, the hottest holiday, grades to be proud of. But the gospel rescues us from that and liberates us to serve God. And when that happens, he gets the glory he deserves and our lives are transformed. When Paul preached, the Thessalonians turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Second, when the gospel goes out, it rescues people from the coming wrath. In his next letter to these Christians, Paul says, Jesus will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. When he returns, it says they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. That is why Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose again, to rescue us from his wrath. And all who believe in Jesus will be saved when he returns. That's why sowing the good news about Jesus matters. When that powerful message is spoken to people who don't believe it, God starts to get the glory and people start to be saved from hell for heaven, from darkness into Jesus' kingdom. And that's why it's got to be our priority. But what sort of job are we looking at? Uh, how much sowing is there actually still to do? Northern Ireland's not exactly ancient Greece. Um, if you look up the, uh, the results of the national census from 2021 that came out recently, you'll see that 80% of people in Northern Ireland already identify as Christian. But what if, uh, what if we dig a bit deeper into that census data? What's the situation, not across the country, but what's the situation right here in our parish of Glengormley and Molusk? Take a look at this graph. I know some people love graphs. Um, at the bottom, there are 10 age categories. Over on the far right hand side, uh, we've got people aged 90 and over. And then on the far left, people aged sort of zero up to 10, 20, and so on. Older people to the right, younger people to the left. Now have a look at that red line. So can you see on the right, uh, by the older people, it's low down. On the left, by the younger people, the red line is, is much higher. What that line is showing is the percentage of each age group that says they're not Christians. So among over 70s in our parish, only 10% say they're not Christian. But among children in our parish, 45% say they're not Christian. That's a huge change in our parish. The younger generations have massively shifted away from Christianity. And you can see that in the green line. So I don't have uh, the figures for every denomination of Christian, uh, but what the green line does show is the percentage of each age group in our parish that identifies as Church of Ireland. And that number of people is halving every generation. You see it goes down and down and down. Now, 
if I was inclined to be optimistic, I'd point out that according to the census, according to people's answers, there are still about 1,250 people just in our parish who identify as Church of Ireland. But here's the thing, where are they? There's a crazy fact, right? 91% of people in our parish who identify as Church of Ireland don't go to church. 91%. So even among people who identify as Christians, only a small fraction are actually worshipping God and trusting in Jesus. So it's a big job we're looking at. There are families out there near us where the last person in the family to have ever gone to church died 20 years ago. The children in those families are third generation non-Christians. It's like a friend I had when I was growing up. Uh, he was my best friend when I was sort of four and five. And uh, his grandparents were Polish. His parents were Polish. So you'd think he was Polish, but he'd never been to Poland and he couldn't speak Polish. I went there on Poland on holiday with him to see what it was like when we were uh, at university together. And neither of us could talk to anyone. His surname was Weselowski, right? But he was basically English. And it's the same with lots of the children around here. Even the ones who say Church of Ireland on the census. But they have no way of knowing who Jesus is. We've got a big job to do. People around here are enslaved to their idols. They're not giving God the glory. They're missing out on the freedom that Jesus brings. They're destined for wrath and they're unable to know the hope one, uh, of one day entering God's presence. That's the situation. But we have the message that can change that. We have the mighty message about Jesus. So what are we going to do? First of all, we have to care. We actually have to care about God's glory and people's ultimate destinies. We have to care deeply that people are facing God's judgment with no knowledge of Jesus. Secondly, if we care, then we must pray. Pray for them. Think of someone you know who doesn't know Jesus. That'll be easier the younger you are and start praying for them every day. Pray for your street, maybe. Pray for your family. Not just that they would be happy and well, but that they would believe the gospel and be saved. Now, I'm sure there's people who have been praying that for their family for years. Keep going, keep praying. And if you're not praying, start praying. You've got to care. If you care, start praying. And thirdly, we should do anything we can to give people the opportunity to hear about Jesus. When I talk about sowing, I'm not just talking about telling people about Jesus. I'm talking about anything that helps a person hear about him. For example, right, one in five people who start following Jesus as an adult do so through coming to church. Right, that's where they hear the life-giving message. So invite someone to church. Who do you know who you could invite to come along with you here one Sunday? Get praying for that person. Pray, pray, pray for them. And then invite them to church. 
Maybe it's uh, someone who's lonely and needs community. This would be a great place for them. Maybe it's your grandchildren who would love to come along to Sunday school. Maybe it's a friend who's seen in your life, they've seen your life and realized you've got a kind of peace and joy because of Jesus that they've never experienced. And they're curious. Invite them along. And when you come to church every Sunday, have a look around you. Is there anyone new here? Is there anyone you haven't seen before? What if that's someone's friend who they've invited? What could you do to make them feel welcome? What could you do to help them have a good experience here with us? If people enjoy their time here, they might just come back to hear more about Jesus. And if you're a guest here this morning, uh, we really appreciate you being here. We want you to know Jesus too. And of course, nowadays, uh, we can do a lot to invite people to church online. Uh, You can also give churches reviews online. So uh, why not, as an easy thing, start sharing all our Facebook posts? Whenever we put up a post about something that's going on here, an event, we try and make all our events somewhere where someone can hear a bit about Jesus, share that Facebook post so that people know. And if you use Google Maps to get around, maybe, uh, if you do that on your phone, if you use it, um, leave us a review. Because then when people search for our church to get directions to come to Slimming World or to come to drama classes or to come to all the different things that happen here, when they search, they see that we have a five-star review. And then they might read some of the reviews and think, actually, that place sounds great. So if you ever read the reviews of takeaways before you order a takeaway, or you read the review of a hotel before you book it, think about how important it might be for us to have reviews that when people read them, it makes them curious to come and see what's going on, and then they'll hear about Jesus. That is sowing. That is sowing. Get doing that stuff. Um, Getting more people through our doors, through all kinds of invitations, that's going to help people come to faith in Jesus. How else can we sow the good news? Did you know? 20% of the adults who become Christians say it was as a result of talking to someone about Jesus. So that means a lot of people will actually respond well if you share your faith with them. They'll enjoy the conversation. They'll want to know more. Not everyone, but quite a lot. You don't need to be able to answer hard questions. Uh, You don't need to be able to explain the whole Bible. You just need to be prepared to mention Jesus. Mention that you pray to him, that you trust him. Uh, Mention that he's someone who's changed your life and could change their life. And then ask them a question like this is a good one. Would you be interested in finding out more about him? If they say, yeah, well then as a next step, you could invite them to church or you could send them a link to our sermons podcast to to listen a little bit. Or uh, you could offer to make them a pot of tea and say, come round and we'll look at a bit of of the Bible together. I found out the other day, um, 40% of younger adults, so the people who are less likely to call themselves Christians, if they do become Christian, it's because uh, 40% of them say reading the Bible made the difference. So there's a lot of younger people who don't know about Jesus, but they would be interested in reading the Bible. 
They're curious. Didn't grow up in Sunday school, never been to church. What's in it? And you know, so read it with them and lots of them. That will be the way that they turn to Christ. See, there's all kinds of ways to be doing this work of sowing. I've just mentioned a few things here, but if you care, if you care about this, then pray, 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 and take any opportunity you can get to point someone in Jesus's direction, to move them on that diagram we had earlier, to move them to the right, to move them towards Jesus. Perhaps we could boil it down and summarize it all like this. Love, care, right? love, pray, say. Love them, care about them, pray for them, and say something. Love, pray, say. Well, what we have, what we have to offer our parish is a message from the Lord, a message about his death and resurrection, and it's a message that saves. So just like it did from the Thessalonian Christians, let's pray and put in the effort to make sure that the Lord's message rings out also from us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have your message. We know you died for us and you rose again. And that through faith in you, many others can enjoy the salvation you bring. So please help us to get the message out there. Help us to love and to pray and to say, say something about you so that through us, many people who live near here or who we know can come into your kingdom, be rescued from the coming wrath and one day enter into the joy of your presence forever. And we ask this in your name. Amen.